Hello and welcome back to We Not Me, the podcast where we explore how humans connect to get stuff done together. I'm Dan Hammond. And I am Pia Lee. Dan Hammond, the leaves are falling, the air is getting chilly, winter is creeping up, and there is a peculiar thing that happens at this time of year amongst your social <laughs> ecosystem. Tell us. So so this this is Glove Watch, and every time this comes up on social media, I always think of you because I know you find it absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I think it's a sort of reminder of home, of what wacky things Brits get up to sometimes. So this is um, a chap that I met a long time ago called uh, Robin Hutchinson. And uh, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy and a community leader. So he lives in Surrey in a town called Surbiton, which actually, or Kingston, around there. Um, but he does a lot of work in Surbiton. And he, um, Surbiton, I don't know if you remember, but this was sort of when people were talking about he's got a, a 2.3 kids and they live in, it was Surbiton was the sort of like the representation of middle England. So Robin's done a lot to pep up the, um, the life of people in Surbiton and he runs lots of events. He runs, he's organized a ski Sunday where they put this slippery strip of flooring down the street and get people to show up in full ski gear to ski down it. Absolutely mad. But the one you're talking about is a, is an international success. It's called glove watch, the lost gloves of seething, they call it. And so the, the way it works is that you, anyone, anywhere can just look for single gloves that have been lost. If someone's dropped a pair of gloves, it doesn't count. But single gloves, for some reason, is the thing. And there are a lot. There are a lot. I think he finds, they, they spot thousands in the, he's, he's announced, they've announced the season is open. It's December and January. So this is peak glove losing season, I think. So yeah, and I spotted my first one uh, on Saturday, a little child's woolen glove on the pl- on the pavement. So I took a picture and reported it. And you take a picture. So this is it. So so this is the action that's been called here. But it's very, you know, it's in, I like, so you take a picture and then we all have a good laugh at a woolen glove. Exactly. I know it's, it's mad. But it's enrolling. It's enrolling. And this is what's really interesting is that there's these things that capture our imagination and get us and get us to join. You know, enrolling people on a mission is actually quite a difficult thing to do. So I take my hat off. I take my gloves off to these people. Take your glove off Anything. and drop it on the ground. Yeah, I exactly. drop my glove <laughs> to these people, and I think that's yeah. And I think it's 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 a good thing in a funny way because even though the activity looks a little inane. It's the getting together of people to do things. Yeah, exactly. And it's strange where that connection lies to bring communities together. And um, today we're talking about someone who actually managed to make somehow the humble push-up or press-up, as we say here, the humble push-up into something that would join a community together. Because we're meeting Nick Hudson, who is the CEO and founder of the Push-Up Challenge, who has done an incredible job, um, which we're, I'm really looking forward to hearing now and uh, really thinking about this idea of enrolling people. There's so much he can teach us. So let's whiz over there now and see what Nick has to say. Welcome to Nick Hudson. I have been so excited to meet you, Nick, and to have this conversation. You are the CEO of the Push-Up Challenge, which we'll um, talk much more later. But Welcome to We Not Me. Thank you very much, Pierre. It is my pleasure to be here today. How exciting is this? Uh, it's great. It's great. We can't wait to hear because we've both been involved in this and the amazing work you do. But we're going to start off by torturing you with the conversation starter card game. Oh my gosh, I've heard about these. I'm picking a card at random here. 
It's a green card. Is that green? The jaw. It's a good one. This is these the these are the easy, easier ones, but they but they can be quite telling. They can be quite telling. The job I would be terrible at is. I tell you what. You know what I, you know what I really don't like doing is is anything repetitive and mundane that requires constant focus. You know, there's people that can that can that can take something on and they just do it. As they get in there. And they do this thing, and they do it really well, and they, they continue to to kick ass at it. That's just that's just not me. There's some people that that shape a vision, and there's other people that do all the absolute yes. tiny micro details. Actually, make that vision come to life in reality. Because, and this is the joy of teams, isn't it? You can you can sort of some people can do that, and you can do the other bits. It's a uh, yeah, def- definitely. I see that. You know what, Dan? Um, I'm, sure. I'm looking around. I'm, I'm looking around the room here, and, and I'm seeing that in, in the distance. I see an ironing board, and I'm just shuddering. Like, do you know? What's, I, I, lucky, lucky. I haven't had to iron for um, for, for some time now. I usually wear casual clothes to work, but I'm looking at that thing, and I'm, I dread ironing. I, I dread the job of ironing. Just that. Just that. You know, that, that repetitive focus on the detail. There. Yeah. There's got to be a quicker, quicker way to do it. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I bet we're going to find out some of the other sides of you today, but that's a really good start. <laughs> and all I would admit about ironing is I like watching other people iron, and I find it to the point oh, hypnotic. I feel in a trance watching them do it. I've actually noticed that. I just my brain oh, really too much. Oh, yeah. I just thought I would bring that into the conversation. I, I'm clearly the stranger in this conversation because I actually like, I enjoy ironing. And yes. weirdly, my mum showed me how to iron a shirt and it was in a certain order. And I remember it and I think of her. And but there's a also it's very it was there was a logic to it which appeals to me as well. So yeah, weirdly, it gives me a sort of zen. A Zen feeling and uh, takes me back a little bit. There's this, there's this growing, uh, yeah, the whole, there's multiple genres that webcams cover, but I haven't heard of uh, live ironing um, being streamed on. Yeah. Peer would be a premium user, I think, of but that slightly it would be. odd online of, service. I mean, watching an iceberg lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Withering, withering. Fantastic. Great start, Nick. Thank you. June is my favorite month. And it happens to be my birthday. But for the last three years, I've taken part in the push-up challenge. The very first year was for me was 2019. We were in lockdown. We then were in lockdown the following year. And this was the first year that actually I was not in lockdown. And I persuaded my then staying with me, my 19-year-old nephew, to join me in the basement of my garage with his nutty auntie and I said we've got this challenge let's do it (laughs) and we went out there and any walks we could do we did it in strange places but it was it sparked something in me and that's what I'm I'm so excited to hear the story behind the push-up challenge and what inspired inspired you because it's phenomenally infectious for something that hurts your body quite a lot so there's something to be unraveled, I think, in, in all of that. So tell us a little bit about you and kind of how the push-up challenge came to be. It's, uh, it's strange how people want to inflict so much pain on themselves voluntarily, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm surprised as well. Well, look, I'm, I'm just uh, you know, a regular suburban guy. I um, grew up in Melbourne, 
Um, had a pretty good childhood, went to uni, studied engineering of all things. Yeah, I was good with numbers and, and all that and school recommended I, I, I do engineering. So, okay, I'll give that a crack. Worked as an engineer, uh, moved over to Western Australia, um, you know, following, following the heat, following the sun. And, um, yeah, started getting involved in, you know, the whole um, startup scene, started getting involved in mental health. Um, after learning about my, my dad's own battle with mental health and the push-up challenge just sort of accidentally happened one year and we just built it from there. It was mid-year. It was, it was deep into deep into Perth winter and uh, despite it being glorious here, most of, uh, most of the year winters in Perth are, are cold and, um, and it's hard to exercise. You know, it's a bit colder, it's hard to get outside and, and motivate yourself to go to the gym, et cetera. And so... So winter had been a little bit unkind and we, myself and a few mates, decided to challenge ourselves uh, to do a stack load of push-ups in a month. So, all right, so myself and three lads like, okay, we're going to do 3,000 push-ups in a month. No excuses, get them done. Right, okay, and we're off. And uh, we found this little app online that allowed us to sort of capture our push-ups, but um, what the app didn't allow us to do was share them with each other. We had to screenshot it and then put it in the messenger chat and, so, and send it. It's like, oh, okay, the, the, yeah, Nick's done 20, Peter's you know, probably done 50 already, and, and, and Dan, sorry, Dan's still on zero. So, you know, you'd, you'd see where everyone's uh, – That was so well. You'd see, so you'd, <laughs> so you'd, 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 so during the day – um, you'd see that oh, so and so yeah you ask someone for a screenshot and then you know the screenshot and send it through. So uh, I thought oh there's going to be a better way to do that. So I, I jumped online and uh, built my own little app. Uh, I knew a couple of things about technology, so I built my own little app uh, that allow us myself and three mates to get on there and to yeah input our push-ups to bank our push-ups. And the guys loved it. They they thought oh this is great. You know we can put them in here. You can see where. Peers up to, up to instantly without having to ask her where Dan's up to, etc. There was no, uh, it was all very sort of seamless. And so that that month that ended, we we all completed the three thousand push-ups. There's a few nudges required here and there to keep people <laughs> keep people on track. Uh, but at the end of that month, we were getting some of our mates saying, "Hey, look, that was cool. We want in. We want in too." So we thought we we keep it going. Reflecting on that previous month and that first month, so the three other guys um, were saying we, we didn't sort of anticipate how much that little challenge, that little target would keep us connected uh, just through that common goal, just through that working to that together. It, it forced us, well, encouraged us to check in with each other See how we're going, and not only that, but of course, yeah, nurture some some pretty good healthy behaviours. So the the un, unexpected goal was was how well it kept us connected, and that's what I guess encouraged others to get involved. They saw us having a bit of fun with it. They they heard us talking about it. They're all we wanting too. So 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 it started to grow organically from there. Others others want on. Want to lean on the app, and others want to get involved too. So, what what then caused you to think, okay, this is a great idea for a bunch of mates. We've got an app that works. And you said you'd got interest around mental health, but tell us a little bit about that part of the journey. Yeah, sure. So, 
a number of years ago, so a few years before that, um, I found out that my dad had been suffering from depression for uh, a considerable period of time and that mum had kept that depression a secret from my brother and I. And during those years where dad had depression, mum was the one who was shouldering uh, that burden. And I remember the night where mum told me about this and I was you know, shocked and, and you know, a little bit disappointed that, that mum hadn't told, told me or, or my brother, but I sort of understood. And, and at that point, to be honest, I knew nothing about mental health, nothing, zero. And Googled it, as you do, and just found out how, you know, how, how big a deal it was in, uh, well, how big a deal it is in, in um, Australia, particularly Australia, particularly men within Australia, but, but you know, Australia in general and, and just other parts of the world. So uh, I decided to do a bit more about it in, in my workplace, um, got a bit more in, in, involved in, in the mental health scene, and I got, you know, trying to get more men talking, talking about it. Uh, and so that, that was several years before the Push-Up Challenge started. I started getting involved in you know, mental health charities. And then when the Push-Up Challenge sort of kicked off, uh, so year one was myself and a few mates, and, and I thought, all right, let's turn this in, into something more momentous. So year two, I thought, all right, let's make this you know, a one-off event rather than sort of a continual thing, which it was uh, at that point with myself. And, and mates doing this monthly thing, so we thought, all right, let's 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 get more people involved in it. And we developed the app a bit more, uh, put all these new features on it, uh, got, got it off the shelf website, and you know we, we put the word out there. And, and in that year, consider it year two, we had over a thousand people taking part uh, across Australia who collectively raised fifty thousand dollars for for mental health. So. I was absolutely stoked by that. The feedback we got around the event was was fantastic. I didn't didn't know we were going to get a thousand people, but um, uh, obviously very very happy with that result. And yeah, I, I, I did what uh, yeah we, we donated those funds to to a charity, and myself and my mates were quite proud of that achievement. And uh, we did what what <laughs> I guess. Uh, lots of guys may do, or at least some guys may do. We decided to celebrate, and we went over to Bali for uh, for a few days. There, you know. <laughs> of course, now, don't don't judge me. Of course, of course. Did you keep up your push ups? That's what I want to know. Yeah, there's still there's still some, maybe not as much as, as during the month, but um, we, we we still get them up. So we, look, I'm not one of those people that goes to Bali every week, but uh, look, we we went to Bali, um, you know, and out there in the surf. I thought, oh, gee whiz, I'm quite unfit at the moment. Uh, and, yeah, I've been doing a lot of push-ups. But my cardio's, cardio's not great. And got back to Perth and went and, and, and grabbed myself a coffee. And uh, I don't usually drink coffee. And my heart started going nuts. Anyhow, long story short, uh, I needed to have an operation on my heart to to change out parts of it that, that worked. Working properly. That, that's technical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah, the, the part, part of the heart was 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 cactus. So I uh, yeah needed to have the fix. And, and finding that out from from specialists was it hit me pretty hard. I like to exercise. They said, "Oh, look, you have to cut out the exercise for a while and and just chill." And um, and then I started going downhill 
mentally. So I, I started getting quite depressed uh, leading up to the surgery. The surgery went well, but coming out of it, again, stuck in bed as you are when, when you have that sort of thing, have that sort of surgery. And I thought, all right, well, well, I've got all this free time. I'm, I'm stuck in bed. I've got time off my normal job as, as an engineer. Um, what, what am I, what am I going to do? Oh, well, how about, yeah, how about I give this push up thing a, a good crack? See if we can build it into something else. And so put a bit more, a lot more time into it. You know, worked on the app a bit more, worked on the website a bit more, uh, developed, well, developed a new website from scratch that was all integrated and whatnot and grew it. So that, that year, year three, we grew it from a thousand people to 50,000 people taking part across Australia who collectively raised two and a half million dollars for mental health. So that was, that was, uh, uh, you know, a bit of a, bit of a, Cool experience, and uh, that yeah, I think my target uh, for that year was you know, to raise a million dollars would be amazing, uh, but to get to two and a half was was something I you know, never considered. Um, and then, yeah, at this stage, I'm still a full time engineer, and, and and the next year came along, and and I took a bit more time off work. Uh, to, to, to get it happening in that, that following year to year. Oh, gosh, you so much tracking years. But year four, we had 130,000 people who raised $5 million. And the next year, peak COVID, we had 170,000 who raised $9 million. And the year just gone, well, the event just gone in 2022, uh, we had 150,000 who collectively raised just over $10 million for mental health. Yeah, it's amazing, Nick. And I wanted to paint a picture for you that um, I went went to with my wife and daughters went to a wedding this summer um, of our uh, niece, and uh, it was a beautiful outdoor thing with marquees, and it was inc- it just just everything's beautiful, and this little oak. Uh, oak co- sort of cops really it was absolutely stunning and at one point it was in june so my wife and i and my daughter are all doing the push-up challenge so at one point in our finery we actually yeah got down to yeah, right. <laughs> pushed out a few press-ups to get push-ups to get our um to get our things so um you know that that's a little you know a long way from perth and um just these people still thinking about that and the cause and and getting these things pushed out so yeah dan it just actually reminds me we did get someone send us in uh, a photo of a bride and groom on their wedding day doing push-ups it was the same wedding but uh it was kind of amazing <laughs> I think there's something in you know, having having a goal that you're like a shared goal that you're working towards, uh, like a meaningful meaningful shared goal. They they talk about times of crisis, yeah, with you know back in the day when, when you had you know, big wars and whatnot, and everyone just sort of got on with it. You know, everyone's like, all right, well, we're in this together. And, and times back then, and you know, I'm talking, you know, back in the 20th century. That they were tough during these wars. People got through it, and with, with this collective sort of, all right, we're all you know, working towards this now. <laughs> I'm not saying that push-up challenges are war. It certainly is a battle of some kind. But I, I, I think, uh, I, I think having that that thing you're, you're working on together and knowing that others are, are going through the same thing. So push-up challenges, it, it can be hard for for some people, for a lot of people. Perhaps, perhaps most, it's hard. But you know that 
others are, are, are struggling through it as well. It's a challenge. It's not just, oh, just go do a little walk or whatever. No, no, no. It's it's a challenge. People have to have to to, to, to yeah, push through it. And I still remember the first person in the push-up challenge who registered that that I didn't know. It wasn't a friend or you know, a friend of a friend. I was like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, this is kind of cool. There's some random, uh, some random taking part. But to, how does the push-up challenge grow to to have people taking part of these things? Yeah, it's yeah, it's bizarre. What I loved about the whole experience was how the number of push-ups that you did every day represented a fact about mental health. That was a stroke of genius. Because really what you're doing then is it's not a number for a number's sake. It's actually an education and it's an insight. And you really feel like you are pushing for a cause. Now, whether you're raising money or not, you're focused on that fact. And and when you get to 220 and, a, and it's on a you know Tuesday and a Saturday, 220s, you really want something. But I, I found that... Uh, I found that had a, an incredibly uplifting and focused impact for me personally. Yeah, so in Australia, the um, the, the target was the number of uh, the target number of push-ups was the uh, number of Australians who tragically took their own lives the previous year. Uh, so the, the target itself, the total number of push-ups, yeah, it's 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 high. It's uh, just over well, just over three thousand, uh, which is a lot of push-ups for people to do in you know, three or four weeks of the event. Uh, but it has a lot of meaning, as you said, Dan. Um, then within the events, the target number of push-ups per day isn't just, you know, the total divided by the duration. It's 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 a meaningful number of push-ups one day. So it might be 70 one day, 120 the next, and then 173 the next. Each one of those targets representing a, a mental health fact or stat that um, hopefully participants can learn from. And we've had you know, a lot of great feedback around that. So, yeah, schools, workplaces, uh, they love that that educational aspect of the event. And that's, good. that's what I was going to ask you, that how has that helped to having those facts help to you know, increase the awareness? And, and what's, been the, what's been the impact? Yes, everyone's doing all the raising money, but what else is happening that you're noticing? That's a really good question. Look, we, we, do, we do like people fundraising as part of the event. But here's the thing: they don't have to to get to get a lot out of it, you know. So people can uh, we're just keen for people to come along, do the push-ups if they can. If they can't do them all, it's okay. You can take on a portion of them if, if they want uh, to. Hopefully, connect with others, connect with the group, the, group, the wider push-up challenge community, or perhaps uh, connect with others in a team environment so you can take on the event as a team. In terms of the educational aspect, it's it's something which gives people something to talk about. Um, an opportunity to learn. And the impact from that has been yeah, very positive. The post-event surveys we get are just phenomenal in, in terms of the, um, you know, what we hear from people around what they've learned, how it's encouraged them to, in some cases, seek help or to help others get help. Of course, yeah, thousands of people reaching out for help as, as a result of um as a result of our event, that sounds kind of it sounds kind of wrong, doesn't it? But uh, our, our event, you know, encourages them, gives them the pathways because we're we're not a service provider, um, but we do channel people towards you know, some good services out there that, that can support them. So, uh, so we get we see yeah um, fantastic feedback from participants and, and large engagement, huge engagement with our mental health facts that that we post online through our socials as well. 
Well, Nick, what um, in terms of building this connection in your own team and then beyond into this community, what what pitfalls have you hit along the way? What 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 if you look back? Were there any major obstacles that you you had to overcome as a team? Oh gosh, where do you start? Because it's it's probably one of these ten years to become an overnight success. We're behind it. There's yeah, all yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah. this. Uh, there's a lot of reality, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So look, I'm quite lucky. The team I have are uh, nothing short of excellent. That um, they come from a diverse backgrounds with with very different skill sets, uh, and they have a passion for the cause. Um, which yeah, you've got to the, the the event. It's from the outside, it may look simple, but I've got to tell you, <laughs> it's a lot of work to organise when you've got when you've got one hundred fifty thousand people involved, and some days it feels like every single one of them is contacting us, asking for information, or asking for a favour, or asking you know, all sorts of things. So I'm going to echo the thoughts of probably many out there. That, um, a massive pain point for us was COVID. <laughs> so we were um, so the twenty the twenty nineteen event went well for us, and then uh, come early calendar year twenty twenty, well, yeah, COVID was starting to become a thing, and our event was scheduled to run in June, and by March, with people stuck at home and whatnot, we we started getting multiple um, requests to bring the event forward. People wanted previous participants wanted something to do. And in March, we made the, we were having an hour, and oh, can we bring the event forward? It was like, oh, it'd be a lot of work, probably, probably can't. And uh, so we're like, no, no, we're not going to move it. And, and the pressure just kept on mounting. And we're like, you know what? We're not ready for this. <laughs> the event won't be as good, but screw it. We'll bring it forward <laughs> because we think it's the right thing to do. And yeah, it, 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 it went off. So that, that year in 2020, we had, uh, 174,000 participants, or 170, about that, about 170,000 participants across Australia. So, but, but bringing that, uh, decreasing our runway to the event start date from two months at that decision time to <laughs> to one month, so I'd, I'm surprised I didn't have a bunch of the team, you know, pack up their bags and, and leave after that amount of that amount that amount of pressure. So we we're constantly, you know, needing to adapt in so many dimensions of the event and, and I guess you know, many of them wouldn't be visible to the to the public but how we run it how we communicate as a team how we work as a team most of my team are part-time uh, workers and managing that is challenging again I wouldn't change them for anyone else because they're, they're superstars but coordinating a bunch of uh, part-timers uh, to be available for certain, yeah, certain meetings, to workshops, to problem solve, to collaborate. That that can be a challenging part of, of what we have as a is a yeah, predominantly part time. But for sure, somehow we've made it work. Well, actually, it wouldn't be. It would be great to maybe dive into that. That's a very hot topic, isn't it? Now, people working in hybrid, we are all. You know, organizations becoming more flexible, taking on parts. You know, if you've got a brilliant person who can only offer you some time, you say, yep, yeah, I'll take it. And it does present these sort of logistical challenges, doesn't it? Getting people, how, how specific, just talk a bit about how you have done that. That's, that would be really useful, I think. Well, up until, up until earlier this year, uh, we were just working out of my house. 
So we had uh, we we'd had you know, a bunch of desks set up. I converted a couple of bedrooms or well, a few bedrooms to offices, and, and we had people working out here. Like we're trying to keep costs low, and and uh, it certainly did help with my commute time to work. And yeah, you know, we're trying to encourage people to to to, to come to my place to yeah to you know, spend some time together. I guess with the with the part time element. Uh, we, we get a lot of people that that appeals to, particularly mums. We've probably got a disproportionate number of, sorry, young mums, mums with young children who are typically like pre-primary age. And, you know, what, 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 do, they, what do they need as, as, as members of the workforce? They need very much a, a flexible working arrangement where if they need to go to um, some special school event, uh, or pre-primary events, if they if they have daycare problems, um, if, if they need to support perhaps their, their older children with, with um, school drop-offs, etc. Yeah, you know, how do we how do we facilitate that? So when we started advertising for our for our part-time roles, we, we found that mums with kids in in who are pre-primary were attracted to these roles, and so. We worked out okay. Well, how do we how do we adapt to this? Because we saw some, as you said, Dan, we, we saw some excellent candidates, and we wanted to make it work for them because uh, we wanted them on board. So we we had to adapt there, and that's when we started bringing on additional tools uh, to help yeah, facilitate people that needed to work from home more often, or would or, you know, work a little bit in the morning, then come in for a bit, and go home early or go home late, etc. So. Uh, it was sort of forced upon us, I guess, this whole hybrid thing in terms of location, but in terms of also time, and it's it's worked out pretty well for us. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you: you've got, I mean, the the snowball is is rolling. You know, the stats of number of people that you have: two hundred and fifty people participating, ten million raised last year. What now becomes the vision? Where, where do you want to take this? And what's the impact that you really want to be having? Yeah, we, we want more people to get more out of the events. The, the feedback we have from participants is incredibly positive and we want that to continue. So the, the more participants, more Australians we can positively impact through the event, the better. And why why not just Australia? So, you know, we, we could consider, you know, going into other countries as well, seeing if we can help out there uh, through the event. Yeah, if it works, I'm sure push-ups or press-ups are celebrated or feared <laughs> just as much uh, in other countries as they are in Australia. I'm pretty sure that's universal. Yeah, <laughs> the universal language of, of push-ups. So yeah, exactly. We'd love to we'd love to take the event to other countries uh, and see if we can make an impact there there as well. But but at, at the moment, the the main focus is on Australia. How we can um, and see how we can help people connect uh, through the event here. And if you are you now no no longer working full time as an engineer? Yes, yes, I'm not. So yeah, push ups is my my full time thing. I a couple of, uh, what was it, a couple of years ago last year I uh, I went part time as an engineer to give this give this a a, a good crack, and then uh, that part time transitioned to to taking six months of unpaid leave, and then. Um, that, that transition to to me being here and um, that, that making that jump was hard. That that was that was nerve wracking, but there's there's just no way it would 
be here without uh, without me giving more time or perhaps someone else. But uh, yeah, it was someone giving it you know dedicated time. So yeah, this is now I'm now full time push ups. Oh, well, I have to say, as a as a um, as a user, it, it's it show it shows that this is something something. It's got a dedicated team behind it. It's interesting. Even though I was using it, I was reflecting that wow, there's there's a huge attention to detail here. This is um this is a really good experience. So um, whatever you've done and whatever your team has done has has had a a really really beneficial impact. So Nick, leave us with a thought, uh, something practical that people our, our listeners could do so um boiling all this down if they want to build a community or team to connect humans what um what have you learned that you could pass on well if you're looking at sort of broader communities rather than um like individual connections at say the workplace or whatnot, i think in broader communities you know, you've got to find that niche if you're trying to bring a community together like an existing community how can you get them focused on that that one thing that one challenge that one target that you want everyone to work towards. Um, if you don't have that community yet, then again, what, what's the niche that, that you want to sort of re- revolve it around? I see a lot of people trying to form communities just for the sake of it being <laughs> a community and that they don't have that that common element. So I think having that that common theme, that that single theme is important. If, if, if you've already got that, sure, then um, how do you make how do you make your thing fun? <laughs> So you've got that group, you've got that target, you've got that thing you're working towards. Um, all right, well, how do you how do you build in that that social element that um, can make it as 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 fun as possible whilst you're still you know, working towards a goal, which which yeah may not intrinsically be fun. And I think that's it. You've taken an activity that most of us dreaded when you know a PE teacher asked you to do push-ups or press-ups, and you end up end up having to have sort of psychotherapy and you're taking something that actually that instead rallies people and you've wrapped a whole experience, both a tech experience and a human experience that actually brings out the best in all of us. And surely that can be replicated, you know, in other aspects of society and life and, you know, extremely humble about who you are. But I think that gives real inspiration to what we can all be in this as well. Just takes a little bit of different thinking. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Just takes that yeah, different thinking. How can we utilize tech in a good way to, to to bring people together? And you know, there are some pretty good tools out there. Yeah, I like to like to think that our our friends made a little bit of a difference in that space. But there's like communities in general. I'm, I'm I'm like yourselves. I'm big on connection, big on communities, and yeah, I think people should get out there more. And, and yeah, a great way to do that is through volunteering. What, was, what they say is that the study done a while ago. The two two biggest sources of, of, of happiness were around um, the two activities that would would drive happiness. One of them was the top one was dancing, believe it or not, and uh, in this particular study, and the second one was volunteering. So getting out there, um, you know, making a difference, and probably connecting with others during during that you know, volunteering activity. So yeah, very it can be very effective and. Yeah, 
Nick, it's particularly impressive that you have, uh, being someone who doesn't like repetitive tasks, you've taken one of the a great repetitive task of doing thousands of push-ups and turned it into a, a movement that's going to actually have a beneficial effect on uh, on mental health as well. So um, keep up your good work. You can certainly rely on our backing in the future. And uh, it's just been wonderful to talk to you, Nick. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Pia. Yeah, thanks so much, Nick. quite a vivid memory actually of how my journey with the push-up challenge started and um, I had a little garage at the bottom of my house and I had my nephew Robin staying with us and I think actually we were entering into lockdown for some of this oh, okay but it was very initially it was just it was it was quite isolated it was just a thing to do and 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 I didn't raise money and I didn't I didn't try to do anything else. And then the next year, I think I told you about it, we all thought, okay, let's get a couple of extra of us onto it. And then the third year, our clients were doing it. And all I saw was lovely pictures across LinkedIn. And we were all involved. Yeah. And it was just so that whole that whole organic growth, it it and it had nothing really to do with Nick or his team from the push-up challenge, it it became self-sustaining, which I think is really. I mean, that's how a movement is created. Yeah, that is it, isn't it? It's it, and in a way that sort of if it's all hub and spoke and you're pushing people to do things, that's one thing. When if you can get uh, someone who's involved to enrol others, then you've got onto a winner. And there was something about this that was magical. I find it fascinating because that as we said on the in the in the conversation the tech was really great it all worked but that sense of community was a real driver but you know this is built around push-ups for goodness sake people you know this is this is sort of the it's a very painful thing to do but the way that they built community but also meaning into this so as you said as you said with nick i think that sort of every day you're reminded that the number of push-ups you're doing represents a lost life. And and it really, it really did stay with you. You know, you feel like, yeah, you, you're representing and weirdly each push-up is a life and it just brings it home to you so powerfully. And, you know, there's that um, Viktor Frankl quote about if man knows their why, they can handle any kind of how. I think it, it is, you know, any any sort of how. So, and the how being the push up, but it's with that why, it really helped us to sort of get down and do twenty or whatever it was. And there were some pretty big numbers, pretty big numbers to push out. And then with it, the whole conversation around mental health just just sort of evolved, and we started talking about a subject that hasn't really been talked about at a corporate level. Um, and you know what perfect timing you know you know I've discussed this many times but post pandemic I think everyone's felt the water rise a little higher in their heads and can feel a little squeezed everyone no no one's been untouched but by whatever circumstances or whatever's happened we've all had some kind of experience with it so to do something together about it is just such a gratifying human connecting experience the other thing I really recognized from his story was, you know, it started with, you know, his dad. So he had his own personal driver there. Um, but what he did exceptionally well was, um, and it's, it's interesting, by the way, you and I have spent a lot of time working with teams, 
to around vision. You know, we talk about big, hairy, audacious goals, and we're really clear on that. And I think that generally has some value. But there is this alternative thought now, which is a bit more um, experimental and uh, aware. So I think he was a bit more like that. He did it among his mates. And then, oh, a couple more people joined. And he was aware of what was working for people and followed the flow, followed the force of nature rather than, I'm going to do this massive thing. So I thought it was really interesting. Again, not to say those goals aren't useful, but there's a there's a more iterative experimental and actually an approach that's, as I say, a bit more aware of what where the forces are that you can follow to get something done. I thought he did a, an exceptional job of that, which he could have ignored. He could have just given up and not done Absolutely. anything. Did an exceptional job there. Never pushed it. It was almost accidental. He just let the same spirit that was amongst his mates as a small group just evolve and just let it grow. Follow the stream downhill, exactly. Really, really good, really good. So great to talk to Nick. But that is it for this episode. You can find show notes and resources at squadify.net. Just click on the We Not Me podcast link. If you've enjoyed the show, please do share the love and recommend it to your friends. Also, please give us a rating on your favourite podcast platform. You can contribute to the show by leaving us a voice note with a question or a comment. Just find the link in the show notes. We Not Me is produced by Mark Steadman of Origin. Thank you so much for listening. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.